It's hard to feel free when the world is crashing down around us and we're shut up in our homes practicing social distancing. But you don't have to feel trapped. You can write your way to freedom. Welcome to the Right Away Podcast. Hello, friends. This is episode number 52 of the Right Away Podcast, and it is the 14th of July as we are recording. I'm JP Reinflush with my co-host, Chris Kane and me, Jenna Kiddo. I'm just here extra. You're here because of book club. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. Yeah. It's the summer and everybody has been dropping like flies. So it is this the extra awesome trio this week. Indeed. We are discussing uh, Wide for the Wind by Mark Leslie Lefebvre. But before we get into that, JP has some exciting news. I do. Guess what? I started another podcast. It's addictive. It's a problem. Yeah, so SerialFictionShow.com. We have two podcasts that play in tandem together. We have the Reader's Serial Fiction Show and the Writer's Serial Fiction Show. And we are showcasing serials from Kindle Vela. So Reader's Serial Fiction Show, we play a tidbit of the first episode and then we interview the author. And then in the Writer's Serial Fiction Show, we interview them a little bit more to get into craft. I highly recommend that you check those out because I'm in there and you can hear me more. All right. Yeah. Ride for the win. What are your initial thoughts, Chris? You've never gone first. That's right. You should go first. Oh, oh, because I'm always leading. There's a reason for that. And it's mostly just because I'm very loud and opinionated. So I immediately, of course, connect this with, you're going to need a bigger story. Very similar topics. Talks about money mindset talks about how you look at publishing but whereas you're going to need a bigger story looked at it from a media like television movie point of view more than anything because that's where um, the creator started marks at things from a book publisher point of view to start I totally agree with that for me it was a little harder to get into because there was a lot of mindset in part one. And I think because I surround myself with a lot of people who are talking about going wide, it was to me repetitive, but I feel like for someone who may be questioning whether or not to go wide, that may be useful. But definitely once we started getting into part two, I was just tearing through it. And I was really excited to read this book because knowing Mark Leslie the Fave and his take on libraries, I really wanted to get deep into the library strategy and he really laid out a lot of things that I hadn't thought about before. So just not even thinking about getting my books in the library, but getting to know the different roles of the librarians and what I need to know about my community and even the setting of books that I'm writing, the location and setting, just knowing that I should be approaching those libraries because not every library system is going to be the same and yeah, I, I really love the in-depth take that he has on the libraries. I was really interested to see at the very back of the book that there's a reference to a book he has written specifically on libraries. So I'll be picking that up. Going back to my comparison between You're Gonna Need a Bigger Story and Wide for the Win, I think that all nonfiction books are written to answer a specific problem. And you're going to need a bigger story 
is written to address the issue of one and done films that don't go deep, that don't leverage the opportunity that they have to create big worlds that they can tell multiple stories in and create franchises. And I think they, they did note that not every story has to be a franchise, but that franchises are a very strong way to go. And what the problem that Mark is addressing is the feeling that many independent authors have that they need to be exclusive in Amazon to succeed. And he is saying that is not true. Yeah. I also, so I want to get in this more to see what you guys do currently and if this book has changed um, any of the approaches that you make. But one thing that I, I kind of like him talking about is like, I don't know if you'd call it like a flip-flopping approach, but how detrimental that can be if you go in and out of using uh, KDP um, and how you like, you can lose an audience in that method. Um, I just found that like, I, I sort of knew it, but it was a, a good reiteration there to be like, once you pick wide, it's really hard going back into that KDP. I've known authors who've done that. And the problem I've seen is not so much, now this is, so this is the difference though, like a beginning author who's trying to build up their business will run a larger risk of losing um, trust because they haven't built trust between the flip-flop. Um, but particularly I have known successful authors who have been like, well, I'm gonna try the wide thing and see what it does. And they've moved a series wide for a little bit and then freaked out because of the immediate loss of income they faced and said, this is not worth it for me. I don't care if in the long run, wide might be more important for me. The choice that they have made is that the immediate income is more important. And I flip-flop on when immediate income is more important and when long-term is more important all the time because cash in hand, pretty powerful. You can leverage that to make more money pretty quickly. Um, but there is that just like leaving your day job and going full-time writing, if that's your goal, there's a really awkward phase where it's not going to do well because you're starting something new and you have to know whether the eventual long-term payoff that you're building toward is worth more than the immediate income right now. Sometimes it's not. Uh, that this is absolutely on a case-by-case -case basis. Well, and something else that he addressed too was our loyalty, like that the, the retailers, the distributors, like they're paying attention too every time we're going in and out. And so you're going to be offered better deals um, <laughs> when you show your loyalty, basically. I get grumpy anytime someone starts talking about loyalty to a corporation. Um, and granted, in Mark's you know, viewpoint is he still looks at a lot of the distributors and the other storefronts as kind of like small communities because they have been for so long. But you have to also remember that the people that you have relationships with work for a company, they don't work for themselves. And you might have a great relationship with a representative, uh, but they may not have their job for forever. And that's not gonna count for much uh, when the corporation 
is then in charge. So I think you still need to look out for number one, whatever. Yeah, I'm still like not for flip-flopping, but um, I also just want to caution anyone against loyalty to corporations. I really like- Into the- capitalism over here from the person who makes all their money via capitalism. Um, I really liked that he brought up some examples, uh, including uh, Lindsay Baroker, who uh, like her- primary mode i guess would be that she has a patreon in which she offers her ebooks for a wider audience that isn't in ku for a short period of time and then she goes into ku and that kind of it shows an example of someone who is successful in doing this method and i think that that is the um mindset that i really liked getting out of this book because it almost makes the concept of wide and KDP less of a like black and white and more of a there is a myriad of options and when you find the right option for you it's just it will work for you um because Lindsay Baroker is theoretically not even theoretically she is wide using Patreon to reach those wider people but then she is drilling into her KU to reap the benefits there I do want to point out, however, to anyone who's like, oh, I want to do that too. Lindsay was wide first before there was KU. She was out there before there was KU. So she had a audience, an existing audience that she did not want to upset when she decided to start experimenting and launching into KU, which is how her Patreon came to be. If you wanted to follow along these footsteps, you would have to build up the audience wide first before you launch into you know, exclusivity with Amazon um, and lean on other methods for your fans to get your books. Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically, if you want to go with the whole fishing for, I don't know, whatever the whole fishing analogy is, uh, K, KU or KDP and going wide are not even like two different parts of an ocean they're just two separate oceans of their own and so you're you're not going to get that cross through that you think that you would get um at least that's how i understand it and so you almost have to view like if you are going to put things over here uh you are basically starting from zero and gaining audience over here and you have to reconcile with that and figure out what your pain point is and when you are willing to stick with it or go back to the other mode One of the patterns that I really appreciated that he brought up um, and that I've only known one person who's done this and I have lost contact with them. So I don't know what their current status is in publishing, but they launched wide first. I think that they might've only launched on Kobo first. And this was uh, Mark's reasoning on that. Instead of launching into KDB Select, which a lot of people do, and then moving wide, they launched into Kobo or a different wide platform, which is one of the smaller buckets. So you're not going to earn a bunch there, but they learned how to launch wide. They built up a wide mentality before they got, you know, sucked into like the Amazon churn. And then once they had several books out, a whole series out, then they utilized everything they learned launching into these smaller buckets to quick release on Amazon and take advantage of all the knowledge that they've gathered and the algorithms on the Amazon side, which I think is a great idea. And 
I think a lot of people decide not to do that because they're hoping to get that easy, quick, early money from doing KDT Select, which is not guaranteed. Right. So how about the other things that he talks about that I, I hadn't even considered that, you know, if you have a small goal with a Kickstarter plan, um, you can just set it for $100. And I love the reference that he puts in there about most books won't even earn that on these platforms. And so this is just a way to see that earn on Kickstarter. And then you're connecting with these readers that that aren't just there to, to read your books. They actually feel like they helped you make that happen. And I feel like that's kind of an audience that we should be thinking about going wide as well. Yeah, I'm super pro Kickstarter. Um, I support a fair few number of projects that are book related every year. And I think that even though Kickstarter is very much like we're not a retailer, we're not a retailer. I think that authors can utilize them as a retailer. The person that I would look at most closely for how they do their Kickstarters is um, Christine Catherine Rush in general for like kind of the retailer viewpoint. But then there's another author who is only an author, not, an, not a uh, writing teacher as well, because Christine Catherine Rush and her husband um, find uh, opportunities for some of their writing classes in with their fiction Kickstarters. Um, MCA Hogarth, I believe, has been doing Kickstarters for a really long time, started really small, and now like we'll do a, you know, a few thousand on each Kickstarter and has been slowly building up a community over there, a fan base over there, and then goes through the normal launch process with their books um, and you know, has those communities and those people that they speak to in a different way. I love that process. I love that idea. Yeah, I think this book definitely showed me like multiple ways in which I can reach an audience, some of which I hadn't thought before. I know, of course, Chris, you and I have talked about Kickstarter and, and basically like the whole, the whole route I believe that I want to take my writing is to basically be as close as I can be to the reader, uh, to be that personable face that they can uh, reach out to and, and chat with. And I mean, maybe that's some crazy pie in the sky dream, but I think that things like Kickstarter and things where people feel empowered in their own right, helping you and lifting you up is kind of a, a way that I would like to take my fiction. Yeah, I definitely personally got a lot more use out of the second half of the book, which is really just a reference um, and, and more detailed, like how you do things. Um, that I found more useful for me than the first half, but that's partly because I've been listening to Mark for years. I've been listening to Joanna Penn for years. I've been listening to Christine Catherine Rush for years. And they're a community that all believe very similar things about publishing, publishing wide, and the reasons of doing so. So all of that was very familiar to me. Um, but Mark has a wide breadth of knowledge that he laid out in far more detail in the second half that I was able to be like, all right, I got the first half. Like we've, you know, I've been in this community and absorbing this information for years. This second half and these how-tos of things that I have not yet attempted, um, super exciting to me. Yeah, the, the more than just books section, um, what caught my attention was he was talking about food and beverages. 
and I'm a huge mug cake consumer. So like the idea of selling mugs with my logo on them, including ideas for mug cakes and like, you know, bam, quicker than that microwave can heat my next treat. I was often thinking about all these ideas that I could serve up at a book club discussion and have my branded merch. So, I mean, they're not just all recycled ideas that he has in here. Like I, I really love the idea of food and beverages, thinking about that to go with my books. Side note, uh, Janet is very dangerous to talk to in the morning because she convinces you to make mug cakes for breakfast. You can make them healthy. Well, I, you I can. Did I, did I make them healthy? Absolutely not. I was like, I make, I make scrambled egg mug cakes, but like vegans can't do that. I'm pretty sure a fake egg omelet in a cup would be terrible. Yeah, that would be. There were no fake eggs. <laughs> Oh, um, anything else that comes to mind specifically that jumped out? I'm looking, gonna look at my- How about like all the different affiliate programs? Everyone talks about the Amazon affiliate mm -hmm. program. No one ever talks about like all the other retailers have them as well. Uh, yeah, I know I have joined all of them at one point or another. And the only one that I'm currently using as well as Amazon is Google Plays. Um, I know that somewhere out there I have an Apple and I have a, I don't know if it's said Rakuten or how that's said, but the, the company behind Kobo, I have those. They're very difficult to figure out how to use and were especially difficult to figure out how to use before Books to Read, which is part of draft to digital who Mark currently works for, um, implemented being able to put your little tag in there and then they will do the links for you. So as I've started, I just moved an entire series wide. And so I've started plugging those in and it has made books to read the only viable option for me to use as links for, to my books at this point, because I just can't fathom trying to gather all those links up and, and figure out a non ugly way of sharing my links to all the storefronts. I know that, and I don't know if, if she uses affiliates, but I know that Rachel Amplett, and the link will be in the show notes for her. And I talk about her a lot because she's so smart. I love what she does. She has a custom website where she has a lot of links to all her books. You can direct buy from her on her site. And she has a very slick site that shows you like all the places you can buy her books. And I know that that cost a pretty penny to put together. And I am not yet at that point where I want to spend that much money to do it individually. So if take one thing away from this podcast, other than publishing wide is viable, um, books to read is one of your best tools as an indie author who is going wide. Yeah, I definitely found the resource section to both be... Um... A lot, but also something I will be going back to a lot um, because I feel like you can get a solid launch plan with that at hand and then decide like what sort of things uh, can go at the side table, um, especially when it comes to like print options because we are still strongly considering um, doing KDP first and then see how that goes because of the genre that we're in. It's just very um, successful in KDP. Uh, so 
we don't want to lose out on that opportunity. And we both feel like doing that smaller thing first and then determining whether or not we want to go wide is, is viable for our launch plan. But looking at all these resources, like I can review these and I can look at them uh, and determine whether or not when we go wide or if we go wide, uh, kind of the process, the mode at which I'm going to do each one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he throws in a quote here that I feel is is a Canadian thing. So I'll just I'll just put it out there because I'm Canadian. Your absence from other platforms will guarantee 100% of the time your lack of success on those platforms. And this is very similar to what Wayne Gretzky, a Canadian hockey player, has said. Um, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So mm-hmm. I think everyone should know who Wayne Gretzky is. <laughs> he was named the greatest hockey player of all time and I'm not even a hockey person even though I'm Canadian I know who Wayne Gretzky is so same and this is this is inter- like writing tangential there's uh, a note JP gave me his manuscript uh, so I'm very excited and there's a note that I made he hasn't seen it yet I don't think um, about a specific something and I'm like will Gen D have as strong a memory of what this is as we do and it's just one of those things when you said Wayne Gretzky I'm like yeah absolutely but will Jen does Jen D know Wayne Gretzky I wonder um and this is because I'm obsessed with TikTok probably and I'm always thinking about Gen Z because they're fascinating to me and um yeah so that's something to think about is that as the younger generation is coming up we have all of these cultural touch points that we know, um, and this is a complete side trail from the main topic, but will, is it important that our references, first of all, are understood by the generation following us? Is that important? If not, don't worry. Um, and, and if it is, particularly if you're writing YA, um, then, then what teaching do you have to put around it so that they do understand the concept or do you just have to find a different concept? Anyways, back to our find regular scheduled podcast. Find a different what? Or find a different platform. Like I, I, I never heard of Eden Books before, and this is mentioned mm-hmm. in uh, Wide for the Win. And um, authors that have stories within romance and women's fiction, if they uh, want to be on another platform that covers all genders, races, ages, sexual orientation, like it's that was that was another lesson for me from the book. I would say, I don't think, um, uh, I don't think Mark ever said this, but I would say join every platform you can um, mm-hmm. when you have the brain space, especially new ones, just to see if they play out. And because a lot of times you get grandfathered in to original super beneficial pricing. I say this because I joined Publish Drive very early on when it was like the other distributors that only took a percentage of sales. They moved to a subscription model, but those of us who joined originally and had books uploaded got grandfathered into the old model, which means that I don't have to pay 10, 20, 30, $50 a month to have my books there. And granted, I've only made like $60 from that platform in its lifetime, but that's, I got a nice dinner from that platform. And I've talked with uh, other friends who are like, oh darn, like I didn't jump on that. And so I missed out on getting grandfathered in and I did the same thing with Patreon I didn't jump in and get a an account before Patreon 
you know, raised their fee structure. But if you were before, you got grandfathered in. And I think that it's really useful to pay attention to the new things that are coming on the scene because you never know which one's going to play out. And it's nice to have like 2% of an understanding of what's going on there and the opportunity to be grandfathered in to older, better terms. Mm-hmm. Yes, kids, be early, be an early adopter. <laughs> early bird gets the worm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also like that he, he mentioned, I think it was, Draft to digital print. Is that right? Was that the one he was talking about? And he's like, yeah, it wasn't beta. I think it's, I think it's live now, but I'm not hundred percent sure on that. I just like that. It, it, he He's talking about things that are yet to come and still, uh, you know, he can only talk about it so much, but just to kind of like sprinkle in those little seeds of things that we as authors can start to look up uh, and potentially join. I'm like, is it available now? Um, I don't know. I think it is available now. For the print. Anyways, regardless, I could be wrong because I don't use it. But, (laughs) Um, and another thing as you're adopting a wide mindset um, is to remember that you don't have to just limit yourself to one way of doing something granted like our first size like yeah publish on all of the platforms all the distributors of your ebooks but that also means for your print books so if you're going to do print books you can list it on kdp um print for your amazon sales but also ingram sparks separately so that it will go to other retail options I wouldn't do just Ingram Sparks because when you do that, you lose a large percentage of your Amazon income. Whereas if you used ADP print, it would come from Amazon. But that's my personal preference. That's one of those few things where I think that the extra time to up, figure out and upload in two places is super worth it. I do a similar thing with my audio. I will have it direct on ACX. And if it's a wide book, I will then upload it to find a way direct or find a way voices rather than have find a way voices manage everything because that small percent that I lose, I think it's like 5% is actually really worth it to me because most of the income comes from ACX. So I'd rather have that 5% from them. This is a dumb newbie author question, but, um, and I think I saw it in here in this text, which is why I'm bringing it up. But one of those services offers you a free ISBN, correct? Which... I don't know. I was asking. Uh, like for print, uh, audio, yeah, what are you talking print. about? For print. KDP offers you a free ISBN only for the version you publish with them. So when you move, if you are also publishing on Ingram Sparks, you need an ISBN there. So if you are going to use the same formatted book for both locations and you are going to do both, you might as well purchase the ISBN or pack of ISBNs and use it for both books so that you don't have confusion on the retail sites and having two ISBNs for the same item. I found I found it, and it's part of this whole beta for draft-to-digital print, is that they also offer the free ISBN, and I'm curious if that... It is, is only for the draft-to-digital version. Boo. Okay, that was my question. Thank you. Yep. Because when you do that, what you're saying is, so the way that the ISBNs work is whoever buys them puts themselves as the publisher. Mm -hmm. So when 
when Amazon KDP or Draft to Digital gives you an ISBN, they are the publisher. When you post it up on Ingram Sparks, you can't say that they're the publisher because they don't have anything to do with it. You are the publisher. So that's the kind of the benefit you're giving them by not um, paying for an ISBN. Gotcha. Thank you. And we Americans have to pay out the wazoo. I believe Canadians can get free ISBNs. Can you we confirm do. if that is true? Yeah, that's true. As do, I believe, people in the UK. I'm like so close to the border. Not really, but yeah. I could pretend I'm so close to the border. I'm almost Canadian. I have researched or attempted to research how to get ISBNs in Costa Rica because it, was, it would be either infinitely cheaper or free but it's also so convoluted because you have to go in person to apply for them. Um, maybe not this year, maybe they figured it out a different way, but I just decided that was too much and I have not yet done it. Maybe I should research again. Maybe things are different now. Thanks, COVID. Just move here and then you can get the public lending rates too. It's true. I'm you don't fine. get public yeah. lending rates. We're so sad. <laughs> but I don't get Bella. Fair. But we would be able to still have Bella if we moved because then we'd have the the US citizenship and banks and all that. You know, there's so many loopholes. Maybe I just need to start a Canadian company and get my public spending rights to that. There you go. But I'm still gonna listen to uh, JP's serial podcast, even Ooh. though I'm not gonna be reading the Vela content, I'm still gonna listen to the podcast. Wonderful. You mean at serialfictionshow.com? Exactly. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, any other thoughts, friends? Uh, no, I, so I would recommend this book um, to anyone, basically. Anyone who is considering going wide, anyone who is just trying to figure out what to do. I think the big thing for me is don't get overwhelmed by the options, especially if you are not quite ready to decide like where you want to publish, but just know that this is a reference for you to go back to at any point. Yeah, I when I read the first half of the book, I was like, oh, this is a book for beginning authors. But then I got to the second half of the book. I was like, no, this is a book for everybody. So beginning authors, like you will pick and choose the bits that you need from the end, just as the veteran authors will be as they get in and see, okay, like this is a thing I haven't done yet. This is a thing like that, that back end, that last half, is a smorgasbord of delights and you have a small plate to pick a few things off at a time. Or mug cake, just throwing that in there. Make a mug cake with the ingredients that he has provided you. Yes. Okay, so the last thing we have to discuss about this book, I am super uncomfortable about because um, this has to do with race uh, references and I am extremely white and I have been attempting to listen about race issues and be very aware of them and very, very conscientious of them, but it's not anything I have lived experience with. And on this panel, we are also all white, but um, as we were starting to read this book, a friend came to me and said, hey, there's a reference to, to Black Lives Matter in here that feels really out of place to me. And I was like, oh, I haven't got to that point yet. Um, I will definitely give it a close look. And they sent it to me, like the, the excerpt. And as I read it, I could immediately see what they were saying, even though I'm pretty sure if I had read it, I would have glossed over it because you know what? I'm white, I don't have this lived experience. And I'm gonna read the section 
just for context. And, okay, so here it is. Because I'm critical of some things that Amazon does, like forcing authors to choose between exclusivity to them versus wide publishing, people often assume that I hate Amazon. I suppose in the divisive world we have created, one often assumes that standing up for something means that you have to hate something else. It's that kind of simplistic thinking that leads people to reflexively reply, all lives matter, in response to the desperate reminder that black lives matter. Of course, all lives matter, that's a given. But those who take offense to the urgent plea from a demographic of Western civilization that continues to suffer from systemic racism are missing the point, the reason why that has to be clearly stated in the first place. So because it seems to be the default to think of sides rather than nuances, many people believe that I have a hate on for Amazon. It's simply not true. Um, so what is wrong with this? This is my understanding. And I am being fully transparent in, in telling you that I am super uncomfortable talking about this because I'm terrified I'm going to get something wrong. But as I have said to JP recently, um, is I've been uncomfortable for a lot of stupid reasons. So I'm accepting being uncomfortable about things that I think actually matter. Um, and the problem with this reference is that it creates a false equivalency between two subjects of vastly different weights and levels of importance. The systemic racism that is referenced is hundreds of years of weight and lives at stake and deaths and torture and Amazon versus wide question is simply, you know, how do you make the most of your business? And those two, perhaps the best place to discuss Black Lives Matter and the weight of that is not in an equivalence statement, which I don't think was intended, but it is the unintentional um, equivalence stated here that that's not the appropriate place to make that equivalence. And it's also not necessarily the appropriate place to discuss something so weighty. Uh, the subject matters are vastly different and, and one has current and present danger to living people. Um, so that was something that I would have felt also very uncomfortable glossing over once it was made aware, once I sat with it. And it was something I felt that it was important that we mention in this podcast. 100% agree with you, Chris. Um, and totally like when you brought it up to me and I, I saw it, I, I know that I had those blinders on when, um, I know that I had those blinders on. And so then when I went over it, I, I tried to kind of read it from a different perspective and, and I could totally see exactly what you were talking about and what your, uh, what our friend had mentioned. Um, and I, I think it's fair to make the statement that like we're not bashing Mark for doing this. We're both, I would say, in within like the group of friends, like we are what I would consider a friend to Mark. And I think that it's just we are just calling out something that we we see and we just want to make that statement because we feel like it is appropriate. It's something that I have no doubt that I have perpetuated in some way, shape, or form because of my lack of knowledge um, and something that it's one of those, see it, learn it, do better. That's what we're hoping to gain by mentioning it. 
Yeah, definitely. I'm glad that this friend uh, brought that awareness up for us. Yeah. This is how we um, we're growing. Um, rather than do my normal spiel on our, about our Patreon, which exists, um, and we'll tell you about it next week. I do just want to reference once again, JP's new podcast, the serial fiction. I forgot the URL. You'll have to say it. Another shameless plug for the serial fiction show.com. All right. Thank you so much for joining us this week, everyone. We will be back next week. My summer of chaos has fully begun. And so you will get to hear about my new van next week when we do our weekly updates. Janet is going to announce our book for next week's <laughs> uh, because we're slightly incompetent. Uh, Janet was nimble with her fingers and was able to pull up our next month's book choice. Janet, will you share the full title? It's a lot of words. I will. It's going to be How to Write Manga, Your Complete Guide to the Secrets of Japanese Comic Book Storytelling by R.A. Patterson. And that was chosen by our Patreon members. Hopefully you will join us next month for this reading. I look forward to reading that this month. See you later. See ya. That was wonderful. We did fine. And you didn't have any Qberts, so we're good. What are the Qberts? Uh, do you remember like the old 80s game where it's like a 3D square and you're this creature with this weird ass mouth and you're jumping down and it goes like burr, 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 burr. that is oh, a terrible explanation. Like, yeah, that yeah. this is going to be the blooper, isn't it? Next time. Now you sound like Hubert. But... Listen back, you'll, you'll hear the Qbert.